In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, my, my dear mother, God rest her soul, used to say, if you don't want people to find something, don't write it down. Now, there's a lot of wisdom in that, especially as I would tell my students, when you hit the send button, you give yourself a digital tattoo because the internet is forever. Well, what happens when you don't write something down not because you don't believe it, excuse me, you don't want it to be known, but rather that it just didn't enter your head to say it? What then? What do we make of the absence of something, something that should be there? St. Thomas said there's a difference between a simple absence and a privation. Uh, the Prince of Wales isn't here, he's absent, but he really wasn't scheduled to be here. If I weren't here, that would be a privation, because I'm supposed to be here. And there is someone trying to get in the building, and it looks like the doors are locked. Oh, never mind. Stand corrected. Here's my question for you. What if something should be there and it's not there? Let me give you an example. You may have heard that there is renewal in the air. There is revival in the air. Already we are in the feverish throes of a Eucharistic revival here in the United States. And if you go to EucharisticCongress.org, they'll tell you that this is an epoch-making event that has already already begun, climaxed at a Eucharistic Congress in Indiana, and from there will go out Eucharistic disciples, Eucharistic missionaries, until the end of the earth. And I said, that's wonderful. What great news. And I looked through the whole website again, and again, and again, and something's missing. So I talked to one of my technical friends, a bit of a wizard. I said, let's do a word search for the whole website. And let's record all the instances where the word confession is found on the website of the Eucharistic Congress. EucharisticCongress.org. You can do this yourself. You can try this at home. Remember... These are the people who are telling us that revival has already begun. It's in the air. There's going to be healing. There's going to be joy. There's going to be missionary activity. This is going to mark our generation and an epoch. There's not a formal definition of epoch, but epoch is a long time. It's not just a new chapter. It's a whole new volume. How many times would you think the word confession would be at a website heralding Eucharistic revival. One time. One time. If you go through submenu, through submenu, through submenu, and you find frequently asked questions, as if, one question is, will confessions be available? Yes, you can go to confession at this Eucharistic Congress. So these great advocates of revival, these people who are going to form Eucharistic missionaries for the whole world, have absolutely nothing to say about confession in relation to the Eucharist. 
And the question is, why? They surely weren't following my mother's advice. Remember, my mother said, if you don't want people to find something, don't write it down. This wasn't an absence. This was a privation. Something really important that should have been there was not there. And the question is, why? Why? Why was it not there? As I'd ask my students when I present the case, what might a reasonable man infer? Well, I would tell my Sumerians, if you want to be a good confessor, and by the way, I'd say, if you don't want to be a good confessor, please let me know so I can help you pack. But if you want to be a good confessor, you have to start by being a good penitent. You have to be absolutely certain in your guts, in your bones, in the depth of your soul, of your own absolute need for sacramental confession. You had to have lived within your soul the liberation, the joy, the freedom, the healing, the shock, the wonder, the power of a good confession. Because that will give you the generosity to hear confessions when you don't feel like it. will give you the patience when the line continues to grow. That used to happen. It still happens every now and again. My record in the confessional is seven hours on Good Friday. A happy fall. But you have to start by being a good penitent so you can be a good confessor. And I would have to believe as a layperson, if you are on fire to make the Eucharistic Lord known and loved, somehow in your life there would have been an experience of a really soul-stirring confession. And maybe, just maybe, the habit of regular, profound confession. And if you were the cleric or hierarch who had to sign off, on this website. Surely, someone who was zealous for souls, someone who was glad to be a confessor because he knows what it means to be a penitent in need, would have looked at it and said, where's the confession part? Where's the teaching and the testimony about the essential, indissoluble link between the Eucharist and confession? Now, these people have taken a lot of time and a lot of bandwidth and a lot of your money. $24 million to arrange for this Eucharistic Congress about which there is only a perfunctory reference to confession. How does that happen? I don't know these people. I've never spoken with them. Then we go to this gospel today. There are two people who encountered Jesus, Simon the Pharisee and this poor woman. Simon the Pharisee may have heard him, may have seen his works, and thought he'd be a really interesting dinner guest. This poor woman heard his words, saw his guest, saw his works, and knew that he was the savior that she needed. And she acted accordingly. She was so convinced that she was a sinner, and she was so convinced that this prophet from Nazareth was the savior that she gave an extravagant 
dramatic, astonishingly intimate expression of her need and devotion. A nearly public display of marital intimacy. So grateful was she to kiss the feet of the only one who could save her from her sins. And I have to wonder if she were a paid consultant to set up that website. Do you think she would have mentioned confession? Do you think she would have mentioned sin? Now, Simon, how convinced was he that he was in need of a Savior? How convinced was he that the prophet from Nazareth was not just a prophet but a Savior? I mean, you might say, come on, Father, he invited him over. He gave him a dinner. What more could Christ want? Well, all of the fundamentals of hospitality in that culture, water for the feet, the welcoming kiss, the anointing, none of it. So Simon was a, was a host, but not a very gracious one, and not one aware of his need. And could it be, again, I've never met these people, I don't know them, I can't tell you their names, But when they look at this gospel, do they point to that broken-hearted, repentant woman and say, oh my gosh, that's me. I know what it's like to have no hope but Christ. I know what it's like to reach out trembling, to get near enough to touch him and maybe somehow. Is that what the people with the no reference to confession and the Eucharistic Congress website think when they read these scriptures? I don't know. I've never met them. I cannot tell you their name. I can tell you I am scandalized. And I am indignant because they're wasting your money. $24 million making grandiose promises of Eucharistic missionaries going out to the ends of the earth who are going to say what? Are they going to show their t-shirt? Their string of selfies? The CD of the very exciting praise and worship music? What they won't tell anyone is the great teaching they heard on confession because it wasn't offered. Let's go back to the prophet Daniel. And these are words that should break our heart. For we, O Lord, are diminished more than any nation and are brought low in all the earth this day for our sins. Neither is this time prince or leader or prophet or holocaust or sacrifice or oblation or incense or place of first fruits before thee that we may find thy mercy. The sheep look up and are not fed. And the shepherds are going to have a lot of explaining to do. A lot of explaining to do. Friends, if you weren't sure whether or not the culture was losing its mind, I think this week really helped. I think they made the sound. The crazies are in charge. They're running the show. They don't like people like you and me. 
Even people who should like us don't like us. And Holy Week is right around the corner. Soon it'll be Palm Sunday, and before our very eyes, for those of eyes to see, the drama will unfold again. And we have to decide what role we will play. Will we be enthusiasts shouting and waving palms and crying for blood the next? Will we be making the smart deal like Herod and Pilate and the Pharisees? Or will we draw near to the man of sorrows? Will we look up to heaven and cry out to God as St. Ignatius Loyola once did and say, Father, place me with your son? That is our only hope. Not to admire him from afar, not just to walk alongside him and offer him comfort, but to be placed with him and to be united with him. Friends, we are sinners. We are sinners who have a Savior. And because we're foolish and we're weak and we live in time, we need to show up for mercy again and again and again. We may weep bitter tears now, but our Lord promises they will be followed by tears of joy for those who stay with them to the very end. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost.